Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Where are we? In the village, sort of, talking about the girl who was death. Yes, episode 15 of the original run Mm -hmm. of The Prisoner. Um, As we record this, it's late October, but as you're listening to this, it's been slightly under two weeks since we last um, talked about an episode of The Prisoner because we are mirroring the exact running order and broadcast schedule 50 years ago in the UK. For some reason, they switched from Fridays to Thursdays for the last three episodes. Because because why not? I'm fine setting these three episodes off from the rest. Yeah, we're entering your not-so-favorite time of The Prisoner. Is that right? Yeah. That's putting it kindly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, uh, well, um, what caught you so what what hooked you i suppose through the first 14 episodes of the show then (laughs) was it the fact that it wasn't this (laughs) yeah well i mean as i've said before it was it was sort of the mystery of it the you know magoo such a captivating main character and really intense and dynamic and that sort of his energy surrounded by this peaceful village and the strangeness of the village just that i find the contrast of that is really a big big part of of what i liked so much and the and the mystery and him you know sort of railing against it Mm -hmm. that's that is that is all the stuff that i love about the prisoner and we didn't have it in uh living in harmony but it was also a western which is something I don't like but it was just so well done and well put together that I didn't mind and I and actually we did we did still have him his character or a character very similar to him uh, railing against the situation that he was in so at least you still got that and you also had the mystery because you know I was like what the hell is going on Mm -hmm. so the the things that I love so much about it uh, were still there Although I actually love the village itself, Port Marion. Like, I really want to go there someday. Really, really want to go there someday. We will. Yay! Um, so then we get to this story, and it doesn't have any of those things. Um, it's because Living in Harmony started with no opening credits um, of, of the normal type. It was. It just felt like a great big mystery. This one does start with the normal opening credits, and then... And then we're playing cricket, mm-hmm. which I was like, was this Black Orchid? What is happening? <laughs> Suddenly it's Doctor Who. Uh, and then you, I sort of picked up on the f- the picture book framing device a little tiny bit the first time I saw it, but mostly it just zipped past me. This time I kind of like remembered and knew that's what was coming. So it's, you don't have quite the same feeling of mystery and it, I just, it's not as well directed. This is more janky and it's a little bit more of a of a farce as opposed to something that's intense it's kind of like reminds me a little bit of the gunfighters for doctor Mm -hmm. who aficionados in that uh a lot of people really didn't like the gunfighters because suddenly it's just slapstick comedy and that's very much what i feel like this is and i liked i like this more now on my second viewing than i did in my first viewing because the first viewing i was watching it not knowing what was coming and 
it annoyed the pee out of me. <laughs> it was just like, I just got so tired of watching the runaround and the voiceover. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of a of a wacky chick who is very good at her job um, because, you know, she seems like she was very good at her job. He just happened to be a little bit more good at his job. But it was silly. Like, all of the things that she did were just kind of ridiculous. And, you know, the the poison beer was fun because it was the message at the bottom of the glass. The cricket balls were just... That was, seemed very weird and silly. Um, the... Turkish bath thing was ridiculous. <laughs> and then her little notes scrawled everywhere. I mean, I guess if I had gone into it the first time knowing that it was supposed to be silly and they were just having a laugh, right. maybe I would have looked on it more kindly. But even going into the second time knowing that, like it softened the blow a little bit, but that's that's not what I'm that's not what I'm here for. That's like that's yeah, you know, I bought my ticket and suddenly I'm getting something that's that's not what I was expecting. So you didn't like it then is what you're saying. Yeah, I still I still didn't like it. But I but I I didn't actively dislike it in the same way that I actively disliked it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um I think, you know, if you're the kind of person who enjoys the comedy and doesn't mind some slapstick from a bunch of guys in, you know, Napoleonic uniforms, then I could I can understand why people would like this. I am just not one of those people. I mean, we're supposed to believe that that guy, you know, within the context of the story, at the time I did not know Mm -hmm. that it was just a a silly story. We're supposed to believe that that guy built a giant rocket that was going to do anything. Like, it's just... The the -the over-the-top wackiness was not not the same over-the-top, like, psychedelic, like, trippiness that we've got previously. It was over-the-top goofball slapstick comedy which is just that's just not my thing I'm you know anything that is is labeled a comedy is probably not going to be something that I'm going to dig so yeah I didn't like it also it seemed like it was trying to recapture the magic that was living in harmony I noticed it was you know from an idea by uh, David Tomlin that was his name yes um who also did the last one, Living in Harmony. This was kind of the same thing where you have something happening outside the reality of the village and you don't find out exactly what it is until the end. And then at the end, it's number two and you know his cohort uh, complaining about why it didn't work. This is exactly the same thing. It's just like last time they did it as this really tense, really inventive, really well-directed, great western thing and this time they did it as a sort of like loosely put together um comedy thing and it just seemed like a really it paled in comparison i loved it it's just bonkers and fun and i don't like fun And you're right, maybe it's just because I, I think I had I was told about this one way back when my friend bit, taped the whole thing on the marathon when I was like 15. And he says, oh, girl who was dead, that one's bonkers, crazy. And it, and it was. And I look at it as part of the piece now. And I, re- I really see those four episodes, the last four that they made. Uh, um, don't forget me, um, Living in Harmony, this, and, and then the last one as like, you know, kind of, 
contractual obligation in the way that like well we know we're not doing a full 13 we're just doing four more uh i don't know what what do you want to do with this that sort of you know this one was apparently um based on an unused script for danger man uh the basic the threads of the story i meant you know then i i i'm guessing at this but maybe the david tomlin thing was to sort of uh use it as a him telling or embellishing, as it as the case may be, a story to a bunch of kids. Because you notice whenever they cut to the uh, book, mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a sedate little picture of something, and then obviously number six is sort of blown it up to something. And the the last page of the book is like a whale and a boat, mm-hmm. um, whereas he's turned it into a rocket ship and stuff. So you can tell that he's sort of like kind of not playing to number two's rules here because he's embellishing on the story that he's been sort of told to read from the village storybook. Well, the boat thing is fine because he's actually, like, in the story, he's on a boat getting away. He's on away. a boat, but there's no rocket ship. And I imagine he's probably made up this entire Napoleon thing in his head, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah possibly as a as a dig at number two, mm-hmm. obviously, who is, you know, same actor. Yeah. Um, thinking he has some sort of a Napoleon complex. I thought it was fascinating. Like, I actually, the, the part of it that I like is the end, where we actually get number six being number six not this caricature of uh-huh. number six um and i remember actually as we were watching living in harmony last time i there was a, a kid at one point watching watching one of the fist fights happen oh, yeah, out right. in the town yeah. square and i was like oh there's a kid there's no kids in the village and then suddenly there's kids in the village which is not a thing we'd seen before so am i supposed to believe that these children were super spies and they've been put in the village or are they the children of super spies who have procreated in the village and now they're just stuck here forever and ever Mm -hmm. um so i feel like that was a little bit of a retcon just to make this story possible like there was never any sign of children before i feel like you know when you're having a a parade with a band and you know all that kind of stuff happening (laughs) The kids would be there if yep. there were if there were children. So I think in the same way that they added his his fiance outside of the village as as a just like tacked on retcon, I right. think the kids the kids are that too. Uh, and oh, and I hated the um, the terrible like ADR voiceover of the kids talking and saying you'll come tomorrow. You like just. It just didn't match at all. And even the words that he was saying were not matching up entirely. It was just, it was poor, poor ADR. You know what? The, there's the ADR throughout this episode is so, so off <laughs> that it adds to it. It's just because it just seems like so crazy. Like, you know, obviously the, the soldier is like humming a different tune um, than the one that they overdub. Uh, and then McGowan carries on singing that tune as opposed to the one that he was singing when they actually recorded it. Uh, and then there's the um, Alexis Canner. Uh, yes. He recognizes the photographer there who was who written in as, as that. And he's like not even really yelling, but there's a strange, his his rant is being dubbed over, which is also kind of weird and, and strange and everything. I know it just, it was just such a bonkers. Like, why is he wearing the Sherlock Holmes outfit when he's cut to the Turkish bath and he's in the bath with the full outfit on mm-hmm. in the sauna kind of box, whatever it was. There's so much nutso stuff about this. And I mean, that should have, and maybe was kind of my, my clue that this is not anything I should take seriously. Like when he stands up from there and, or maybe it was the ridiculous disguise he's wearing with the mustache and yeah. the, the mutton chops and stuff like that. But I, 
I don't know. It's just that is a direction that I am not not fond of the silly the silliness and the bonkersness. Yeah. This is this is where we differ. We diverge. It's okay. I I'm I'm just happy that they look like they were having you know it's a chance one last chance for them to sort of let their hair down a little bit and have some fun with this show as opposed to have it sort of be an allegory for society and everything that's wrong with it mm-hmm. and everything. I like that um, you noticed Christopher Benjamin. Uh, who played Potter? Incidentally, Christopher Benjamin played Potter in Danger Man. So, like, this is essentially—I know—that also mm-hmm. might be a knowing, like, because everyone sort of at the time, I think, it was just assuming that this was a sequel to Danger Man. Uh, Magoon kept saying, "No, it isn't." I think this is kind of a little bit of a joke to say, "Oh, or is it?" Mm-hmm. No, it's not really. So, yeah, once again, fun. Or is it? No, um, no, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's not fun. Okay, I'm hey, not. it's fun. <laughs> um, what do you think about the? Oh, go on. Mm. Oh, what do you, What do you think, think about the the girl who is death herself? I I, I quite enjoy her um, her playful uh, numerous attempts at destroying number six, and I could you know they're just to the point where he you know she she's toying with him because he knows that he'll get out of the traps that she sets, but she's having fun because of that. Yeah, I like the way she's styled. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, always in white and stuff. And, you know, I, I believe that uh, they, you know, people say, you know, describe, describe a white room. And that's supposed to be like your subconscious uh, thoughts about what death is. Have you ever heard that psychological thing? No, is that also the lyrics to Cream's White Room as well? I don't know. <laughs> there, are, I don't know. Are there black curtains in death? Yes. Oh, right. No, I thought you meant in White Room in, in White Room by Cream, and yes, there is. Uh, but yeah, that's that is a thing I've heard. Like you tell somebody, okay, describe a white room, and then the words that they use to describe a white room apparently are their subconscious thoughts about what death will be. I'm sure it's ridiculous, but that is the thing that I've heard. So I don't know if this was if that's a, an old enough an old enough sort of thing that they dressed her all in white, the girl who is death, uh, to to mirror that psychological quote-unquote test. I don't know. You look skeptical. No, I'm intrigued by that, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, I should look that up and see see what the source of it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I was just so annoyed by it the first time and so bored by it the second time that, mm, no, I mean, it's it's hard for me to, to pull myself outside of the story itself and look at it as just like uh, a fun romp Mm -hmm. so i keep i keep finding my my nerd brain just diving in and being like he's like like he he he's falling for things he shouldn't be falling for because he's he's number six he's the prisoner he's Mm -hmm. our hero who's super spy awesome and it just the first time through it really bothered me that he was sort of letting himself be taken in by all of these things and then I mean, I guess you can kind of, even within the context of that story, you can explain it away that he was letting himself be lured in so that he could get closer and closer and follow her to mm-hmm. the rocket, which is eventually what he does. But I don't know, just the silliness of it was was a little, a little much. And except for the part where she's driving in front of him and using the microphone, we never actually get to see her talk um, mm-hmm. until like toward the end, which I found that bothersome. Like I... 
I wanted to be able to see her instead of just hearing these voiceovers. Oh, and speaking of the car scene, when she turns around and <laughs> twirls her fingers, and first of all, that made me literally nauseous, right. and second of all, that made me figuratively nauseous. Like, what is happening? Story time! It's just story time! I know, I know, and I keep... The thing is... <clears throat> I know that, and I keep forgetting it, even as we're talking about it. Uh-huh. It just wasn't—I don't know. Maybe if they had, maybe if they had decided not to go the living in harmony route and actually open it up with him and a bunch of kids, right. and opening the book and saying, because I think they were going for sort of a reveal at the end. But that's exactly what they did in the previous episode. So yeah. why try to recapture that? And you've been hinting at it with these pictures from the storybook. So I think. I think I would have liked this personally a lot better if they would have just started with, you know, maybe a shot of the cover of the book and it mm-hmm. opening and him doing a little bit of voiceover. Maybe you don't even have to show the kids at the beginning, whatever. Um, yeah, it just the whole framing device kind of bothered me. It's a tough thing to get into, I suppose. The, it, yeah, I know. I, I, I understand what you mean there. Um, but as you say, they would have just been duplicating a similar thing had they tried to do you know, a non-standard intro right. like they did with Living in Harmony. Well, that's why that's why I'm saying, like, you know, leave on the opening credits as right. they did, and then it actually starts in the village, in the real world, with him reading to children, and then it goes into the fantasy world. So I have, you know, pe- people like me who are very left green, left brained, like have a grounding in what is happening and but, what, what, where we are, and but, then I can relax and maybe have some fun with it. But then they'd be spoiling the twist at the end. It's not a twist. Well, it's just uh, not a twist necessarily, but mm-hmm. uh, but spoiling the reasoning for all this happening. That's what I mean to say. Oh, he's reading it to kids. Okay, now I understand. But that's and that's part of what bothers me is the fact that they they went for this reveal at the end again in the very next episode mm-hmm. when that's exactly what happened at the end of Living in Harmony. It's a reveal. Oh, it wasn't really happening. He right. was just drugged up and we, they were talking to him on microphones and this time. Oh, you thought he might let his guard down when he was talking to children. It's just you know, people complain nowadays about Stephen Moffat reusing ideas. He at least spreads it out, like, you know, one or two a season. This is the next story. Mm-hmm. Well, they are playing out the string in a way, yeah, you know. I just, I just wish that they would, would have just done something different for the next story. Well, they didn't have anything in the can, did they? They had a story which Bagoon mm. had nothing to do with and another one that he didn't have anything to do with apart from, hey, I want to be in a Western, to... As I said, an unused script from Danger Man that they reworked into something. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, which, because the next episode we're talking about it was actually filmed way before. Uh, and the last episode was basically written over a course of a weekend <laughs> by McGowan himself. So, yeah, I think the the creative energy had been, at least in the shot phone, in the current guy, you know, the current sort of enthusiasm for the show, I think, had waned. And so I think... He was just trying to, just trying to have some fun. Well, you know, I if it if it was truly as fun as it you know looked like it could have been, I'm I'm happy for the actors and the crew and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but not not for me. The other thing that that I had trouble with was, I feel like many of the other episodes, if not all, look really good production wise. You know, Port Marion is gorgeous. And yeah, you can kind of tell when they're switching back and forth between between sets of the outdoors and the actual outdoors in Port Marion. But it's it's closer to seamless. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it was just 
the switches between stock footage and the characters that are actually like especially the carnival sequence that was that was the worst well first of all because it made me really want to go to a carnival and i can't because it's like a winter time now mm-hmm. um but it you would see stock footage i assume or maybe just footage that somebody went out and got b-roll of of a carnival and then anytime that you would cut to him trying to chase her or her running from him it was just like the the film grain looked different it was very clearly on a set or back it was back projection a few of those yes or or back projection exactly and it it didn't hang together well and i feel like the prisoner looks so good in general that is one of the things i love about this show and then suddenly we get this episode that not only has all these other little things that that bug me but then it's one more little thing that bugs me it uh the back projection stuff was one is so common in those days yeah. as i'm sure you probably know from like mm-hmm. seeing movies from the early 60s and everything so if anything the production values of this sort of like step back to where normal television was mm-hmm. as opposed to where it was when they shoot in poor marion um and it looked like it was very dreary you could even see like rain on top of the uh the helicopter canopy there so that uh, also you know i don't think it ever rains in the village. I think they, they got good weather for, for pretty much most of the shoot that they went there for. So it, that has a natural, sunny, colorful look to it, you know, um, which is rare in British television because <laughs> it's always raining. So I think I think that might also play into it a little bit too. Plus, they're on location. They're on location at, at a old carnival. You know, it's probably 100 years old at that point with all those rides and everything. So it's not spruced up this little sort of Mediterranean folly that uh, that, that guy had built in, in, in Wales. So they're, they're a slave to the conditions as well a little bit is what I mean to say. Yeah, I have no problem with that. The yeah. carnival actually, the, the, the carnival scenes that right. didn't have the stars in it mm-hmm. looked great. Right. Looked like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if McGowan is actually at any of those because I think he was mostly just appearing in little close-ups with yeah. back projections. So, which is which is the problem I yeah. have because it didn't feel like it jived together very well at all. It was, it was jarring to me. I don't know if uh, from uh, some of the sh- closer shots, especially when he's hopping into the boat, his usual Frank, uh, uh, sorry, his usual stunt double is Frank Mar M A H E R, who actually for the most part looks not unlike him mm-hmm. like the hair is kind of similar and so like he's mm-hmm. he's his usual stunt he appears in all the scenes in the opening intro mm-hmm. um for instance patrick Magoon doesn't appear a single second of the uh the you know where am i in the village that's actually mm-hmm. his stunt double doing all the all of the shots mm-hmm. uh, and he actually looks like him though because he's got his run down and everything but I, I think maybe he wasn't uh mm-hmm. on this episode and so he wasn't quite matching the um the numbers so that might have also contributed to the mis- jarring Patrick McGowan has a very distinctive run. That is something I noticed yeah. in in the, the previous episode too, and and I think his stunt double does a decent job of it, but it's not quite as weird as McGowan. Mm-hmm. Like because he's got the thing that, and I don't know why. Like I don't know why it should be considered weird or or less good, but the the way that he runs, he kind of holds his hands out in front of him and swings them back and forth left to right, which is a way that I used to see like <laughs> weird kids at school running which is why i say like it's not fair that it should be weird like you know whatever everybody runs differently and that's that's fine but that is that is definitely the the way that he does that takes me back to a a more judgmental time in my life i guess i I know the run you mean to living in harmony it's one where he comes out and like runs over to the uh the town square Mm -hmm. it's i think it's the most exaggerated 
run of his because I remember one, sort of flinging his arms side to side, which is funny. Uh, I had something else queued up, but I can't remember what it is now. Something about this episode. Was it still something about his uh, his stunt double? No, it was about Patrick McGowan himself yet again. Uh, another episode where he barely speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I noticed that's that. strong action. Mm-hmm. But still, like, what I liked about that is that it shows another layer of his skills and that it's a comedic thing, too. Mm-hmm. I love the look when he's, like, trying to get out of the chair at the end there and he eventually realizes, oh, I just have to lift the top of the <laughs> chair up. And, you know, he, he could have done this great giant comedy eye roll or something, but he just, there's just a subtle comedic look on his face as he boop, pops it off and then off he goes. It, it's a, it's another skill for performance. Yeah, I I will I will agree with that. I th- I think actually I was I was kind of ready to be in for this at the beginning where mm-hmm. it's just um I, you know, I wasn't sure what to think about the the original the first cr- cricket th- scene. But then when we have him and he's walking along and he's, you know, getting his shoe shined and yeah. you know, it's the spy stuff and yeah. he goes into the record store and gets the record and listens to it and um yeah, his his performance in all of that I thought was neat, and I was like, yeah, this is cool spy stuff. And then it just became silly silliness. I mean, and again, there was another there's another clue right there when he's listening to the record and talking back to it. Mm-hmm. I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> and yeah, I just didn't didn't pick up on it that first time. But there's been silly stuff in the village earlier in early episodes in the village too, where they're like he's like talking to the TV or something like in, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's talk back. I mean, it's that's not entirely unprecedented, isn't it? Well, I think it is because in this case, it's it is legitimately a record that they have handed to him that he is playing. Yeah. So it's not like it's you know uh, somebody with a microphone like speaking back to him. It, it was and just the way that it was played, it was it was very clearly just meant for laughs. I bet you, as he was reading that to the kids, the kids laughed. Kids are dumb. <laughs> yes, I'm sure the kids laughed. This is probably the first one, possibly not the last, that uh, I think we disagree on on which we like and which we don't. Yeah, that's true. We've we've been mostly mostly in agreement, I think, mm-hmm. on on the other ones. But this one, nope. I'm glad you like it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that that you like it. But I feel like on future rewatches of The Prisoner, we should just stop after Living in Harmony, and you can watch the rest of them after I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad or Hi. maybe what no maybe what we'll do actually this is a good idea maybe uh the next time we watch this for whatever reason maybe we'll here's what we'll do okay you can come up with your own running order <laughs> and you can leave out the ones you don't like ah. and then just watch and it, and then my recommendation to you is to end with like many happy returns and that's mm-hmm. the last episode and then you can think that maybe the whole thing just begins again after that and you can just fill in the gaps. I actually, as we were watching this, I was having the very same thought thinking I want to end with many happy returns because then my headcanon will be that, you know, his superiors get their butts in gear and do some further research and they come and find him and rescue him and they take the village down. The end. And then they all lived happily ever after. But it's not the end. No. Out of this podcast, nor this podcast episode, because you have yet to uh, uh, let us know what you would cosplay as if you were to pick a costume from this episode. Did you notice anything that you'd like? Uh, I did. There were two 
The first one was in the record store. There, there is a a patron, a woman at the counter. Um, when he walks in, she, I think she like leaves as he's as he's in there, or maybe walks away from the counter at least. Uh, she's got a pink shirt on and a sort of pencil skirt that's like vertical stripes of pink and yellow. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's that's a kind of snazzy outfit, so I like that. Um, or a femi version of uh, number six's outfit at the beginning uh, when he's still you know looks like a normal person before he dresses like Sherlock Holmes he's got like that dark blue kind of almost shiny shirt and a shiny yellow tie and a black mm-hmm. coat like I feel like that is a very sharp outfit and, oh and the like like cabbie style hat yep like I would I would totally dig a uh, you know a tailored version of that that was tailored to to fit my figure mm-hmm. yeah you didn't think uh, any of um, the girl who was death's uh, outfits for that uh, nothing to write home? Oh God, no! I would oh. not want to. I would not want to dress in any of those. I mean, in part because they're white, and that's just asking for trouble. But also because, like, they just none of them appealed to me visually. <laughs> like, I, I, I could not picture myself walking around a convention wearing that stuff. <laughs> My name's Death. You should see Death trying to get dirt out of this white <laughs> outfit. I liked her um, at the end there when she when you see. I think she's number eleven. I can't remember what number she was, but she's wearing black, mm. the black coat, mm-hmm. and then the black hat. I like that outfit myself. I I do. I did like that outfit. Yeah. yeah. I think I had already like sort of settled on my my thoughts yeah. on the outfits before that came up and i was just what? so annoyed by the end that i, I can't i t- i have to butt in because uh side note mm-hmm. whenever you're watching hockey games and like three minutes left in the game they say here's our play of the game and you were complaining <laughs> how can you call the play of the game the game's not over yet there might be an even better play that comes along mm-hmm. you've, yep. you've contradicted yourself I have. I think I was that bored with this and, and annoyed with this episode. I'm sorry. And possibly her character, her character too. Like I was just like, I just, I don't want to dress like that character because that would imply that I had some affection for that character, which I do not. That's, you know, that's how cosplay works. Like you, you know, you can pick cosplay based on what something looks like, but quite often there's also an emotional component to, you know, wanting to... <laughs> to recreate the character. I don't want to recreate this character. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I just had to throw that in when you said them. <laughs> it's a line from City of Death. It just made oh, me no. think of that. It's the Doctor Who episode. Um, oh, there was uh, Max Faulkner was in this. He was one of the, he was the Scottish soldier, which means you could tell that a stunt was coming up and sure enough, he was one of the soldiers that got blown back when the, because uh, he's one of those actors. He's one of the stuntmen who can also act and he's been in Doctor Who a few times. Oh. And you know that you, when he once he turns up, you know that he's going to say a couple lines at least, mm-hmm. and then probably do a stunt. <laughs> he's great. I love Max Faulkner and everything I've seen of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Very nice. There we Okay, is that it then? Is that it for this? You have anything else you want to dump on this delightful <laughs> romp of a story before we get into the heavy hitting finale? No, I mean, do you have any other things that you want to say about why you like it? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening out there that are just shaking their heads at me and want to hear more about this great story that they love. Oh, I just think it's bonkers and fun, and it gives Magoon a chance to kind of play number six, but not really, Mm -hmm. Um, and just have fun with it, and it's, it's just nice and joyful and happy and even the music is delightfully silly and it's just it's a it's a weird episode of the prisoner which is saying a lot 
but I still think because of the weird overall nature of the whole show, it just has a place in it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, sure, why not? We can do this. It's the prisoner. You can do pretty much anything in this show within 17 episodes that are made. So I like it. You know, and I agree with you that, yeah, there's no reason that it, it shouldn't exist. The prisoner is a weird show. Like, it, everything that you said there, I. I agree with, and yet I just don't enjoy it. Not your cuppa. It is not at all. No. no. Well, um, the next episode we do is the penultimate one, mm-hmm. which is called Once Upon a Time. The Prisoner. Only The Prisoner would do an episode called Once Upon a Time as the second to last episode. That's supposed to be where you start. Yeah, and shoot it sixth Okay, that's just, that is bonkers. Yeah. That's real bonkers. Well, I just, yeah, I know. I don't understand, but we'll talk about that more on the next episode of In the Village on the Incomparable Network. Mm, be seeing you. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.